There are moments when it feels like time stands still. But when those moments turn into days, months, years, we start to wonder if life will ever begin again. It is written that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now is the time. And all God's people said. When I was a youth pastor in Nooksack, I started having trouble with my vocal cords. And it scared me because I made my living with my voice. I spoke a lot. 
The doctor was concerned enough about my condition that he put me on 30 days of complete voice rest. Not a whisper for a month. It was horrible and it was beautiful. I had to learn how to embrace silence and in embracing silence, I actually heard some things that I had never really heard before. Things that had slipped by me just because of life. Things like, like the beauty of the resonance of my wife's voice in my ear. The sound of rain at two o'clock in the morning. The breeze in the tops of the trees here in Whatcom County. In those 30 days of silence, I had to keep doing my job, and so I preached a message to my high school kids without using a single word out loud. I brought two loaves of bread and laid them in front of them, one store-bought, one homemade. And through simply using smell and taste and wrapping our heads around the process of creating bread on your own and, and just actually slowing down enough to really savor the smell and the taste, we learned together that there was absolutely no substitute for the fresh bread of God's word. To this day, I still have kids from my high school group that come and say, that was the message they will never, ever forget. And the fact that they remember a message in which I did not say a single word makes me want to rethink everything we're doing today. <laughs> you know, maybe we should be without words more often. Maybe silence doesn't need to be uncomfortable. Maybe we should make it a part of our daily regimen. As we continue our series called Now is the Time, we're going to approach Solomon's God-guided wisdom when he makes this statement. He says, there's a time to be silent. He just experienced it. And there's a time to speak. Well, let's begin with the beginning because I think it's actually there on purpose in a culture where everyone seems to be talking about everything. Have you noticed that? Everybody's got opinion on everything. And in a world where your opinion and your posts and your story and your commentary and your truth has been exalted to a place above God's conviction and God's truth and God's word, we hear this wisdom from the wisest human being who ever lived outside of Jesus. There's a time to be silent. Some of you are thinking, I already gave you 60 seconds of silence. Let's get back to my words. <laughs> Let's not. He said, let's embrace the wisdom of God's word as God unpacks when it is time to be silent. This is what God wants us to know. Listen to Proverbs 18, 6 and 7. The lips of fools bring them strife. Their mouths invite a beating. Wow. The mouths of fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very lives. In a world where everyone is speaking at high volumes, God does the exact opposite and calls us into silence because when you join your voice with every other voice in the world, the truth is you're just another barking dog in a kennel gone crazy. Watch as Jesus practices what he preaches. There's a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. It came 700 years before Jesus was born. And it says this. Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
730-some years later, moments before the crucifixion, we find Jesus standing in front of a Roman governor who actually has the audacity to think he holds the future of Jesus in his hand. And we find our Savior literally in the fulfillment of the prophecy that came 730 years prior. Matthew 27 says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered, here it comes, not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now make no mistake, Jesus had a lot to say in that moment. If he had wanted to, and if my imagination would have taken over the story, Jesus would have said, you irreverent group of punks. I created you. My fingerprints are all over you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I'm the only reason you're breathing right now. And you want to accuse me of actually being who I am. Well, here's what I know about all of you. You're lying. Your accusations are false. You're breaking the very commandments that you say you uphold. And I am the king. And now this king is going to hold you accountable for your empty words. And I'm about to unleash the fury of heaven on you right now because of your pride and insolence. Jesus could have said that, but he didn't. I actually wish he would have. <laughs> Jesus had a lot to say, but he said nothing. Why? Because there was something more important than words in this moment. Your salvation. My eternity was held in the hands of Jesus, and it was more important than the spoken word, and Jesus was actually willing to lay aside his words for an opportunity to purchase our salvation. Keep that in context, right? We love our words in our culture. Jesus loves us. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge to be silent when you feel like there's just so much to say, especially when there's so much evil to speak against. But here's the principle I believe Jesus wants all of us to walk out with today. Just because you're thinking it doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth. And all God's people said. <laughs> but that's hard, isn't it? Amos was a prophet in violent and evil times. I mean, we think we've got a lot of violence in our culture these days. We got nothing on the time when Amos lived. He could have spoken out against evil, after evil, after evil, after evil. But God kept restraining him so that at the right time, his voice could be heard. And here's the challenge that Amos lays in front of us. Amos 5.13, therefore, the prudent man keeps quiet in such times, for the times are evil. There's a time to strategically speak out, but in this context, right now, God is saying there's actually a time for us to learn when we have to be strategically silent. And here's what I can tell you. In moments when God tells you to hold your words, your silence can be deafening to the people around you. It can be a powerful, powerful moment. There's a time to be silent in the face of evil. And in those moments, we've got to rely on God. In those moments, our silence is truly godly. It's not just avoidance, because under God's direction, silence can be 
a powerful tool. So there was a time to be silent, and you experienced it earlier in the service. For some of you, it made you uncomfortable. For others, it just gave you one opportunity today to take a big, deep breath, to be still and know that he's God. God over your Monday, God over your Tuesday, God over your obstacles, God over your pain, God over your family, God over your worship, God over your business, God over your church, God over your prayer, God over your unanswered prayer. He is God and you're okay. So if there's a time to be silent, how do we know when it's a time to speak? As a church, we have spoken out very clearly over the past decades about our passion for protecting both the unborn as well as creating a space for the restoration of those who may have chosen abortion in their past. You see, we have a conviction at Christ the King. It is our conviction that God is the God of life and he's also the God of forgiveness. And he alone can put those things together. We hold those things in tension at times. And have you noticed that this is a pretty hot topic these days? And we ask the question, when is it time to be silent? And when is it time to speak? Well, next month, Laurel and I would so appreciate your prayers. We're doing a podcast that's going to host a civil conversation about life. Has anyone else noticed how much civility has just disappeared in our world today? So we're going to host a civil conversation about life. And I'd like to tell you who our guests are going to be. Our guests are going to be a nursing coordinator who does ultrasounds at a local pregnancy clinic, a man whose story is that he once paid for an abortion and then found both hope and healing in Jesus, and a young woman who dreams of the church doing more than just holding an opinion on abortion, but actually having a conviction and then offering practical help to people who do choose life. That will be a time to speak. And we're going to take that very, very seriously. And we would love for you to both pray and then listen when we actually release it. Because Solomon says, it's not an either or, it's actually a both and. We just need to know the wisdom of when we're supposed to be doing one and not the other. Solomon says there is a time to be silent and there's also a time to speak. So here's what it means. Some of you have been silent too long and it's time to speak up. And some of you have been speaking for too long and it's time to zip it. When there is a time to speak, the Bible's full of cautions. So here comes the wisdom. We're gonna break down as practically as we can from scripture. When it is time to speak, here's some wisdom that, that Solomon and a number of other biblical writers would like to lay in front of you. When it is time to speak, watch your words both in volume and delivery. See, the same man who said, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak, he also said this, when words are many, sin is not absent but he who holds his tongue is wise. Did you hear that? When, when there's a lot of words, there's a higher probability that sin's gonna walk into the room. The more words that come out of you, Solomon says, the greater incidence of sin. Why? Because unchecked words are really dangerous. When it comes to words, if you think about it, too many, too loud, too accusatory, too judgmental, at all equals Dangerous, And there are so many scriptures just running through my brain right now. The Bible says a soft answer turns away anger. 
The Bible says a word aptly spoken at the right moment is like an apple of gold in a setting of silver. Let me repeat the scripture we read earlier. A fool's mouth invites a beating. <laughs> That's blunt. Watch your words in volume and delivery. I mean, think about this contrast. I can walk out here right now and say, I love you! Or I say, can I tell you something, church? Like, I love you. So you tell me which one actually made the 18-inch drop from your brain into your heart. Watch your words, both in volume and delivery. Secondly, weigh your words well. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue is the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We're going to be talking about this principle a lot in the next series. So let me tell you everything that we're going to be up to over the next couple of months. We've got a couple more weeks in Ecclesiastes 3. Now is the time. And then Pastor Brian and I are going to preach you through the book of James, one of my favorite books. It's so unbelievably practical. Then after that, we're going to do a series called The Red Letter Questions. We ask questions of God. Jesus asked a lot of questions too, and I think he still wants answers from his people. And then it'll be Christmas. There we go, all right? But the book of James, in which he identifies the fact that there was a reason why God gave you two ears, two eyes, and only one mouth. In the book of James, he says, you actually have, you actually have an evil weapon embedded inside of your head, and you can use it to either speak life or death. So that's the question we're going to answer. Do you want to speak life or death? You see, you can speak life into every situation, or you can speak death into every situation, and you get to choose. I mean, think about it. You can bring hope, joy, and transformation into every single dialogue, or you can bring accusation, judgment, hatred, and gossip. You get to choose. God would prefer you to choose the first option. God wants you to weigh your words wisely. So watch your tone, watch your delivery, weigh your words. And here's one that not many people think about. Wisely ask for permission from God to speak. If you're following in your printed outline, I want you to change the scripture, okay? I published the wrong one. We're gonna change it to 1 Samuel 23. One of my favorite stories in scripture, I preached on it a couple of months ago. David shows up to God and the Bible says this, David inquired of the Lord. So he came to God with a question and said, do you want me to go and save this little town called Kila? God says, yes. David's a wise man. He comes back a second time. God, are you sure you want me to go and save this little town called Kyla, because there's a lot of Philistines and that means hard stuff and yeah, you sure? And God says, yeah, go save this little tiny town called Kyla. David asked for permission to step out and do what God called him to do. Here's a question. Have you ever stopped and asked God in a conversation, God, should I speak or should I just be quiet right now? If the answer is I have never stopped and done that, that's a problem, right? God, like right now, should, should I speak or should I be silent? So many of us are just, we are locked and loaded when it comes, it's kind of like ready, set, talk. That's how we are wired. What if you stopped in, in a moment and just said, God, I need your wisdom, I need your delivery, I need your heart, I need your answer. Oh, and I need your permission. 
And if you say, be quiet, I'll be quiet. But if you say, speak up, I'm going to speak up. I've toyed with the idea of tattooing a pause button right here on my wrist. Because sometimes my mouth can get me in trouble, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I talk with my hands a lot, right? I wonder if we could all use a constant reminder that a strategic pause, a moment when we just say, God, I don't want to say anything you don't want me to say. If you want me to be silent, I'll be silent, God. But if you need me to have courage in this moment and actually speak up on behalf of your convictions, I will do that. My question, though, is have we ever just often asked for permission? Here's another piece of wisdom. When it's time to speak, and I actually changed your outline, so if you're following in the outline, stroke out what I had, put this new stuff in there, but when God opens the door, offer an answer. You see, once we have both the wisdom of God and the permission of God, then we're called to actually be prepared with an answer. Not just our opinion, but a reflection of the biblical conviction that God has placed inside of our hearts. What I love about my Bible is this. People who write down what God told them to write down often struggled with the very things that, that, that they were talking about. So 1 Peter was written by a guy with a big mouth. Peter is legendary. There were moments when he just really, really struggled. He struggled with cussing. He struggled with talking too much. He struggled with, with just getting out of control with his words. And then at the end of his life, this foul-mouthed fisherman writes these words to God's people. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But always do this with gentleness and respect. What a turnaround, right? Here's a guy who had such a problem with his mouth and now he's saying, you do need to be prepared with an answer for everyone, but when it comes out of your mouth, Use both gentleness and respect. So I have an interesting opportunity every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. And I want to invite you to join me. We used to do it Tuesday mornings. Um, but, so I work with this group called Jesus.net. And if you go to your computer, Jesus.net slash live, Wednesday afternoons at 4 o'clock, you're going to see uh, two familiar faces pop up on the screen in front of you. And what we're doing is we're facilitating a question and response time for 30 minutes. On your left-hand side, you're going to see Drew Young. So if you don't know who Drew is, Drew's one of our communications guys, and he actually welcomed you into the service tonight. So he popped up. He's a big, smiley, happy guy. Joy of the Lord just bubbles right out of Drew. Drew moderates a time, and the guy on the right-hand side of your screen is going to be me, and we take questions from around the world. So if you've ever heard us do one of our Ask Me Anything weekends, when I sit up here with no prep, just me and my Bible, you text in questions and I try to answer them live and in real time. We do that every single week on Wednesdays at four. But here's what's amazing. Like just this past week, we had people from Kenya. We had people from Singapore. We had people from Jamaica. We had people from Iceland. I mean, we had people from all over the globe sending in questions about theology and Bible and church and Jesus and culture and how do, we, how do we navigate our way through this world. If you'd like to join us, I would encourage you, but when you show up, and I'll tell you what, it's really fun for me when the chat is like running down the side of the screen and all of a sudden I'll see a thing pop up and go, hey Grant, it's, it's so-and-so from Christ the King praying for you. Praying for your answers. Good luck with that. <laughs> Great. 
No, they're always so unbelievably affirming, but we're all called to have an answer. Whether we're doing something on YouTube or not, we're called to have an answer. And, and isn't it interesting that it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you know why I have hope in this broken world? Because I know the king. And he said, his purpose will be served. Paul had a mouth too. Got in trouble all the time. He writes this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Some of you are just like, but Grant, I don't want to be put on the spot. Can I tell you something? If you make yourself available to answer in a conversation that ends up talking about God, do you not think God will give you the words you need? Every time. Solomon loved to talk. That's why he's always cautioning himself that he needs to be a man of fewer words. And he said this, he goes, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. He said, how good and beautiful is a timely word. He also said this, the words of the wicked lion wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. So wisely offer an answer. Be ready with that answer. And here's the final principle. We're called to speak out God's salvation. The Bible has a whole list of things that we're supposed to be willing, we're supposed to be willing to speak out on. The Bible says we're supposed to speak out against injustice of any kind. We're commanded to speak out about the care of orphans and widows, no matter where they are. We're called to speak out when, when someone is being judged because of the color of their skin or their socioeconomic class. We're supposed to be the people that say, oh, hold on, no, 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 no. We believe in the value of humanity. We're called to speak out against sin. Now, whenever we do that, here's the problem we get into. If you ever are called to speak out against sin, make sure you speak out against yours first. Before you talk about anybody else's stuff, you better be willing to own your own. And listen to Isaiah 58. There is a time to speak. The same prophet who prophesied about Jesus standing before that governor also said this, shout it aloud, don't hold it back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. Do you notice here that the command to speak is embedded within the context of salvation? Let me use my words so you hear this loud and clear. The answer to every cultural and society issue is not man's philosophy it's Jesus let me tell you why you see when Jesus comes into a human heart he changes that person anger is transformed into love hopelessness is transformed into hope. You see, when people meet Jesus, they may have an opinion, but it's replaced with godly conviction. Godly conviction demands action, word shift from angry words to loving words, and the world is changed because God's people sound different. My job puts me in some interesting situations. And a while back, I had, uh, I had become the target of one particular young man's venom, and he was using social media to kind of spout accusation and anger, and I just happened to be the target. So I actually got a hold of him and asked if he would meet, and I applauded his courage because he actually met. 
Most people like to hide behind their keyboards and they'll never come out from behind them, but he actually said, okay, you want to get together for coffee? Let's do that. As we sat together, um, I began to notice some things. The louder he became, the quieter I got. He spouted statistics. I tried to just speak scripture. He got angrier and I experienced the craziest thing. Even though it was a little awkward because other people were hearing the conversation, he, he was getting angrier and angrier and I actually got to experience the peace of God live and in real time right in the middle of a coffee shop. He finally decided he was gonna leave and as he left, I actually called him by name. I won't give you his name, but I said his name out loud and he turned back. And I believe in that moment, the Holy Spirit was whispering some things. And I said, I remember your baptism. I remember when you stood in the tank in front of our entire church family and I just know apparently somehow you lost your way. And you went from sitting with the family to throwing stones at your family. But I want you to know, when you run out of words and you run out of anger, we'll be waiting for you. Not saying I got it right, but I'll tell you what. The right heart, the right volume, the right tone, and the right offer to stay engaged, I hope and pray, kept that young man's heart open just a crack. Because I know if the door is cracked even a little, Jesus can do miracles with it. When I think of this call, there's a time to speak I can't help but think of Esther in the Old Testament. Some of you know this story. The Jewish people are being threatened with extermination. And God puts Esther in a position of influence and her guardian Mordecai with God's permission and God's blessing and God's words shows up and says this to her. He says, do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. And here it comes. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther, it's time to speak. You've been placed in a royal position and, and there is a time to be silent, but now you're being called on to speak. Can I be so bold as to speak to the royal priesthood of Jesus of Nazareth in Whatcom County? There is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak, and if we are quiet for too long, many people will perish, but under the permission of God and the unction of God and the passion of God, we actually speak out in those salvation moments, many, many, many will have the opportunity to be saved. Is it possible that Christ the King Community Church has been placed here for such a time as this? If this is God's moment for you to speak, then use his wisdom. If this is a time in which you've been called into silence, be still and know that he's God.
let me answer the question, why is this so important? Like why, why would Solomon receive this message from God to send to us thousands of years later? Let me tell you why, because this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. He said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. That's heavy, right? Because some of us are just like, I, I feel like that that's really all I've been offering. My friends and my family, I've just been offering empty words because my words are just filled with my opinion, not biblical conviction, and I'm not exactly sure how to turn that corner. Well, what if we made a covenant together as a church family that we were gonna do everything we could to remove empty words from our life and we offered words instead that were full of the weight of God's grace, God's mercy, God's salvation, and God's hope. At the beginning of the service, we got to practice silence. Now we're gonna get an opportunity to, to practice the wisdom of, of both silence and speaking. Before we come into this final moment and then we all walk out into the regular world, I wanna remind you that every conversation you're a part of this week is gonna demand both silence and speaking. You see, if, if you're never silent, it's not a dialogue, it's a monologue. And I don't know many people that are gonna sit there and listen to you go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And if you never speak in a conversation, it's actually not a conversation, it's just awkward, <laughs> okay? So we're seeking God's wisdom in this moment, which means this, there are businessmen and women in this room right now, and you're gonna have an opportunity to speak to some of your employees. And what I wanna encourage you to do is to stop before you enter the conversation and say, God, give me the wisdom to know how to balance both of these things. Some of you need to listen to your employees this week and hear their heart. And some of you need to speak, not just about business, but about love, hope, and God's mission through your work. Some of you are gonna be in friendship conversations this week, and you're gonna have an opportunity to both be silent and to speak. What if we stopped and asked God on the front end, God, what do you want me to do more of today as I talk to my friend? Parents, every single time you have an opportunity to engage with your kids, it's a gift. It's a gift. And there are moments when as a parent, you need to speak to your children in love, discipline, correction. But can we please not forget that it's okay in a conversation with your kids to laugh and have joy and talk about all of the beautiful things that God is doing in your family. Years ago when uh, McKenna was born, a wonderful lady from Christ the King, her name's Polly Quam, spoke at, at McKenna's baby shower and she shared some wisdom. She was talking about in the context of her relationship with her daughter and she said this, she, she said, if I stop listening, someday she'll stop talking. Parents, every conversation you have with your kids is a gift. See it that way. Let them talk because if you stop listening, they'll stop talking. And I'll promise you, the world will be more than happy to show up in their world and fill their head with all kinds of words. You need both. Husbands and wives, there's a time to be silent. 
I love the body language that shifts in the room as soon as I say that. Some of you are going to be in big trouble. There's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. Do both. Do both. Families, in your conversation around the dinner table, it's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. May God give us the wisdom to know which is which. So now, we're going to wrap up our time together by actually practicing what we preach. We've got about a minute and a half left, and so I'm going to give you an opportunity. For some of you, you need to sit in God's presence. Be quiet, open your hands, and say, God, what do you need to say to me before I go? For others of you, you haven't had an honest conversation with God in a long time, and you just need, you need to speak out knowing that God's going to hear every single word that you say. I don't know what you need more, but God does. So we're going to embrace silence one more time because it's so rare. And after about 60 seconds, I'll use my words to bring this in for a landing, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to go eat pancakes, okay? 60 seconds of silence. I'll keep time so you don't have to. Let's pray. Father God, for those who used this last minute to worship you, I thank you that they have a God worthy of that worship. Lord, for those who, who poured out their heart to you, I thank you we have the promise that you heard every word. Lord, for those who sat and heard a whisper from heaven, Lord, I pray that they would have a growing confidence that it was you. So Lord, as we walk out into the week, we're gonna be besieged with words. Lord, help us to know when it's time to be silent, when it's time to speak. We ask for your wisdom as we navigate a word, a world filled with words. Lord, may we carry your heart with us this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to speak a prayer request, you can go to prayer.ctk.church or you can come forward after the service and the prayer team will be here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. If you uh, are hungry and would like to help send a kid to camp, there's pancakes right on the other side of that, uh, right on the other side of that hallway in the meeting place. We'd love to have you come 
and join us. Thank you for listening to my words. I know they were many this morning, but thank you for embracing silence along with me. We'll see you back here next week. God bless you.